So prior to the, the fire at, at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, uh, you could walk into this beautiful cathedral through the entrance on the right and immediately found you, find yourself in darkness, the darkest place in the entire cathedral. But then as you move forward, you would eventually arrive at the communion table in the center where the light from those historic, gigantic rose windows converge to, in a sense, cast out the darkness. There at the communion table, you would be reminded of Jesus' self-giving love. Communion, for Christians, is intended to be this life-giving experience of Jesus in community with other people as you gather around this table for a meal. So you go from not seeing clearly, physically, to seeing clearly there at the table. And then you exit out into the world to presumably share this light with the rest of the world. So you can imagine, perhaps, how meaningful it might be to experience this physical metaphor. Not just an idea, but you experience it physically in your body of moving from darkness to light. You can imagine how meaningful it might be and, and, and how meaningful it has been for millions of people who have, have been there and walked through this metaphor to come with your own burdens, with your own struggles, which in many ways can feel like darkness, only to be nourished by communion and made awake by the light. So you leave, perhaps, with a little bit more hope you leave perhaps with a little bit more courage. You leave perhaps with a, a greater sense of purpose. So there's something incredibly beautiful about this. Unfortunately, there is also something very dark and ugly about this metaphor that often goes unnoticed. And I, I never would have noticed it if it weren't for a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Tom Cohen in, in Paris, who pointed it out. Because near the entrance, there is a statue of a woman whose eyes are covered so that she cannot see. Her crown is cast down at her feet. Her staff is broken. She is defeated. And her name is Synagogue. She represents the humiliation of Judaism. But then on the other side, there is a woman who can see. She stands victorious with a crown on her head, a royal scepter in one hand, and the cup of Christ's communion in the other. And her name is the church. She represents the victory of Christianity. So the symbolism is shockingly clear. To be Jewish is to live in darkness while Christians live in the light. To be Jewish is to be blind while Christians are the only ones who can see clearly. These statues are, are not only a reflection of the mistreatment of Jews in France and throughout Europe and, and honestly throughout the world, but they are symbols and stories that justify anti-Jewish violence and exclusion throughout the centuries, even till today. So, 
We've been reading through the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of John, we've, we've noticed how Jesus has used this spiritual metaphor of light and darkness in beautiful and meaningful ways. Unfortunately, for far too long, these metaphors have been misused and abused to define those who are different than us as blind and ignorant, while we are the only ones who can see. So today in John chapter 9, this tangled web of metaphors becomes even more tangled. So, so let's pay attention to how easy it is to twist Jesus' words and actions. And it's a long chapter, so I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'll read parts and try to summarize other parts. So John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi... Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind, but the result is that God's work will be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So then to summarize, Jesus then healed the man, but this broke some religious rules because he did it on the day of rest. So when the religious leaders interrogate the man who had been healed, some of the people said he must be from God. How could he, how could he not be from God if he can do such amazing things? But other people said he could not be from God because he did this on the Sabbath which means he broke the religious rules. And then John 9.16 says, and they were divided. That's like the verse for our world, right? And they were divided. Amen. Then in verse 18, John uses a phrase that is more than problematic because of everything that has happened since this was written. He says, quote unquote, the Jews didn't believe the man was actually born blind. And then later we hear that this man's parents were afraid of the Jews because the Jews might kick them out of the synagogue. So there is a division among the people and on one side are the Jews which means that on the other side are Christians? That's what we assume. So, so when Jesus talks about seeing and not seeing, it's easy to jump to the conclusion that, oh, the Jews are blind and the Christians are the ones who can see. But that isn't even close to accurate because if we are talking about all the Jews then we have to include even Jesus in that group because surprise, surprise, Jesus is Jewish. Did you know that? Like he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> Basically everybody in the story is a Jew. So it's for this reason that I prefer to translate or to use instead of the term the Jews but the religious leaders because it's, it's in this chapter um, Seeing and not seeing has more to do with power than religious belief. 
And religious leaders abusing their power can happen in any faith community. So, when this man is healed, it is the religious leaders who have the power to interrogate him. They have the power to interrogate his neighbors and his parents and instill in them fear. And last, when they don't get the answer that they want, they have the power to drive this healed man out of the synagogue, which they do. It can be so easy for people in positions of power and privilege to assume that we are right, that we are the ones who can see. Since life works out for us or or tends to work out for us, that must mean that God is on our side. I mean, this is the morality revealed in the disciples' question, isn't it? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If life isn't going as planned, someone must have done something wrong. Or if life is going well for us, that must mean that we are doing something right. So the religious leaders are those who assume that they can see. And if they can see, that must mean that anyone who doesn't look like them or think like them or believe like them or act like them or vote like them cannot see. But at the end of chapter 9, Jesus says, I came into the world so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. So here in John 9, yes, the religious leaders who are abusing their power are Jewish, but by the time we get to the building of Notre Dame, Everything has changed, everything has changed so dramatically that it is the Christians who have all the power. It is the Christians whom people fear. It is the Christians who are violently oppressing and excluding the Jews and anyone else who is not like them. It is the Christians who believe that they can see, which means that Jesus has come to reveal how much of our own vision we have lost. This coming Friday is Holocaust Remembrance Day, which reminds us that any time we assume that those people cannot see, we find ourselves in greater darkness. Any time we assume that we alone can see, the world finds itself cast into greater darkness. But here is the good news in this chapter. In our state of blurred vision, Jesus is here among us to help us see clearly again. And when that happens, it's true, we will likely discover that We are not always right. We will likely discover that we do not always see clearly. We will likely discover that they, whoever they are, are not always wrong. And we will discover that we need one another, that we need our Jewish friends, that we need our Muslim friends, that we need our atheist friends and relatives and neighbors 
if we are to see with the clarity of God's wide and inclusive love. This is the kind of love that reaches across that divide. Not to make everyone else like us. That's an exhausting and impossible journey. This love reaches across the divide to use any power that we might have to welcome people in, to listen, to learn, to share, to pursue healing and reconciliation with one another, to discover that God's goodness and God's beauty is bigger and more beautiful than we could ever imagine. Please pray with me. Gracious God, in this divided world, we pray that you would bring healing and reconciliation. We pray that you would help us to see more clearly, to be able to see not just those who are like us, but to see the beauty of this incredibly diverse world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.